0: So Britt and I love having freelance writers on the show, and I think Alan Henry said it best when he said freelancing is the future of online media. But as PR professionals, this can be pretty challenging, right? Um, Consider Miranda Marquette and Trey Bodge, who said that they both work on assignment, so they're not necessarily looking for story ideas in their pitch emails. Now, that's not always true, and there's always exceptions to every rule. And actually, quite frankly, I don't think there is a rulebook for reaching out to freelance writers as a PR professional, so I'd like to get another perspective to the table. And joining us is Lisa Robaska-Ropi. She is a former newspaper reporter and current freelance journalist. She's been in a lot of great publications like CS Monitor, Business Insider, Fast Company, and Forbes. She primarily focuses on business and work and states that she is fascinated by workplace culture and its effect on our productivity. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Before the show, you shared with us a story that you wrote for Business Insider back in July and that it stemmed from a PR pitch. Do you mind telling us a little bit about the story? It
1: was a story. It was in the middle of the pandemic, of course, and it was a story about what companies um, would need to do to open their offices again from the perspective of disaster recovery experts. So it stemmed from a pitch from someone who does disaster recovery saying, hey, I'm out here. I have all this great advice for companies that want to reopen their offices, which in retrospect, knowing that was in July and now we're in September, and we still have an opened office. <laughs> yeah. It's so okay. amazing. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, you can't just write a story about one person unless, you know, you are, you know, a household name or a celebrity. So I just started thinking about, well, what are new, what are offices going to have to do to open? And wow, disaster recovery experts might actually have some good advice and that is where you know the the pitch from the pr person really got me thinking in another way about something i hadn't thought about and to me that is the best pitch i can get from a pr person
0: ooh i like that so it's like something you hadn't thought about before
1: exactly like you know i write about office working in an office office work environment all the time, but I wasn't thinking at all about what, you know, from a disaster disaster recovery expert, what would an office have to do? Like just, which is different than saying, well, what would an office have to do to reopen? It's more that twist of what does this very specific type of expert have to say? And what can we learn from that? That's
2: beautiful. Yeah. How, how, okay, so when I read this article before we talked and I saw that you wanted to speak about how, you know, there's got to be another expert to provide commentary on the topic outside of the person who was pitched and who isn't at that same company as well. How A, how do you source those experts? And I guess maybe my question is rather, would you prefer for a PR to come to you with other experts to contribute to the story as well outside of their client?
1: That would be really helpful. (laughs) But
0: um, but Even
1: even if they did that, I would still feel like I had to find my own sources, right? Like I would appreciate that. Um, but it would still feel like if I don't go out and look for my own mm-hmm. sources, I'm not doing my job as a reporter.
2: okay. Right. Would it be helpful if the pr person suggested different kinds of experts to pull in, or is it you know i'm I'm just asking questions to see what what would be most helpful and what else a PR person could do? Um
1: I mean that would that would be helpful, but again, like i I sort of feel like as a reporter, I have to do my own due diligence. Yeah. Okay. But but here's a good example. This happens to me a lot. People will email me and be like, I know of this great You know, it'll be a PR person pitching me on like an app or a new company or something, you know, a a company that an entrepreneur is trying to create that's in a very specific slice of space. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, um, I remember when someone emailed me and they wanted me to write about, oh, I know this entrepreneur and he just created this great app that would help companies to find open office space. Well, that's interesting, but there's no way I'm going to convince any of my editors to write a story just about that. And Mm -hmm. just about that one app or just about that one entrepreneur. And unless you're Mark Zuckerberg, no one's writing about just you. Yep. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And even if we were to write about Mark Zuckerberg, we would interview, you know, five other people who, you know, some who knew him and some who were his competitors. I mean, you just, you can't just write a story about one person. And while I thought that app was really interesting, I couldn't figure out a way... To make it work and i think this pr person even like sent me information about a com- uh, a competing app which i thought was great but it still wasn't enough to create a story because there was nothing to hang it on yeah there was there's no, no story <laughs> there's no news peg there was no trend there was no need at that point there was no need for companies to be even finding open office space.
2: What about if that person would have sent you how hard it was to find office space? Yes. If If that was even the case. Yes. So
1: like if they, so we'll just come up with something, you know, imagine New York city, I guess like, I don't know, three years ago or two years ago and not being able to find office space. Um, but here's a solution to that problem. Yes, that would oh, okay.
0: work. Oh, cool. that reminds me of the TechCrunch episode you did, Britt.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, Josh talked about presenting the problem and the solution.
1: Yes. To that problem. Yes. And I will tell you, um, maybe your other guest said this, but a lot of the publications I write for, they don't want to just know about the problem. They want to know the solution too. Um, just writing about that something is a problem isn't enough.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's back up to that Business Insider piece. What did the pitch actually look like?
1: It was literally a paragraph or two. No kidding. <laughs> which, you know, was basically, um, you know, Bob Jones is a, recovery, a disaster recovery expert, and he's available to talk about ways that offices can get ready to to reopen. So, it was great because it was easy to read and within I think within 15 minutes of reading it, I had this aha moment of oh, I can use this and here's how I could use this. Which That's is so cool. much better than, you know, these long, you know, emails that you get where you have to really wade through, well, what is this about? And (laughs) why is it relevant to me? And why do I care? (laughs)
2: What was the subject line like? Oh, yeah. Good question.
1: Uh, It was very straightforward. Disaster expert seeing increase in creation of return to work plans. Mm,
2: That is very straightforward.
1: And the email, so the story didn't run until July, we said, but I got the email in April.
0: So think about the fact that I was, we were like in the middle of it all. I have a question. Looking at the article, I noticed you sourced a PwC survey. um, Did somebody from that team actually send you that data or is that something you sought out yourself?
1: That was actually a pitch I got from the PwC people.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So you actually, okay. So I I will
1: try to connect things together and if you just happen to pitch me something related to something I'm currently working on, I am all over that. That
0: That's is cool. to
1: me the best thing that could happen.
0: And I'm guessing, based off of the initial pitch you got from the um, expert, that you do welcome just a cold pitch from a PR person or the expert themselves stating who they are and how they can help you with your coverage. Is that something you welcome? Yeah, Yeah, definitely.
1: I used to be really, I used to be really good about responding to every pitch I got, but I just (laughs) can't do that anymore. I try, especially if it's someone that's pitched me before I've worked with before, even if I don't think I can use it, I'll email them back and tell them, but that's sweet. For new people, it's sometimes hard
0: yeah, that seems like it would be kind of intimidating to try to answer every single email. Like how many emails do you get in a day from PR people and other people wanting to work with you? Um, I'd say at least 20. Wow. Jeez. That's a lot. I think I'm on
1: a lot of lists. <laughs> and there's also, I mean, just a lot of, I have used, I mean, especially studies. I'm always looking for good studies. So I think oh, I yeah. end up on lists from that, from working with PR people that have pitched me about different studies. And just, I think I'm on every workplace list you could imagine because I get tons of pitches related to workplace issues.
0: I'm going to pitch you in the future.
1: <laughs> you should.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I haven't yet because I mean, I work a lot with data. You probably see that people who pitch you data tend to pitch you data again because it seems like PRs tend to find specialties and data is definitely huge in the PR world. So it's kind of cool. And data
1: is great. I mean, you can come up with a lot of good story ideas from data.
0: Like, what do you look for when you're deciding whether or not data, like a data study is worth using? Meaning like, do you have certain standards that a data study needs to fall under in order for you to be able to use it? So, um,
1: and this is often, often comes up as an issue. It has to be independent because that is an issue that comes up a lot. Like any survey about computer, like how, um, employees like to use computers or like to use their phones versus their laptops. If that survey is done by a technology company that creates phones or laptops, I really can't use that data for a lot of the publications I write for.
2: What if they partner with a certified survey company like uh, Censuswide or I'm blanking on other ones,
1: Qualtrics? Qualtrics. Um, A a lot of publications won't. Not every one of the publications that I write for, but Mm
0: -hmm. some of
1: them won't let me use them.
0: Okay. Is that because there's like a um, interest in publishing (laughs) data that says like, oh, employees want to receive text messages, for instance, if they're like a text message company type thing? That makes sense.
2: What if they've taken a source, like a data source from a government resource? Census Bureau. This is speaking very hypothetical right now, but say they analyze data from an unbiased source, such as, yeah, the Census Bureau, and came up with, you know, story angles or conclusions or a study from that on their own? Is that something that you would totally nix?
1: Um, I think that that would be better. I mean, I, I'm thinking of one publication, which I'm not going to mention, that is very uh, concerned about where the data comes from. But that sounds like to me that sounds like i mean you can't you can't really fudge the numbers mm-hmm. if it's coming from a government source well i guess maybe now we can
0: but <laughs> yeah, who's to say these days yeah but in unfortunately general, in general
1: in the past we've known <laughs> that data it. from the government is generally accurate and certainly data from the government isn't going to be skewed. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say that anymore.
0: I know, isn't that sad? <laughs> it really it's is. really sad. It's very sad. It really is. We could do a whole episode just on that. <laughs> oh, gosh. But we get what you're saying. I mean, basically, what you're getting at is if you're representing a company and that company could profit off of... Um, I mean, not profit off of the data they're publishing, but if the data they're publishing is something they're investedly interested in profiting off of in some way, like swaying the public into thinking that their product is needed, for instance, then that can look like a um like it it's not quite I don't know, it's not like a squeaky clean source of the data. I yes, guess.
1: and and that kind of explains why the PWC survey worked. Because they weren't selling anything. They're not creating a product and it wasn't it was kind of a nice to have piece of data it wasn't essential to the story
0: right but it helped complete the story in a way that it gave the piece more credibility right yes yeah that's cool and then did they happen to pitch you this is maybe put on your memory cap i don't know if memory caps the word but let's use the word memory cap right now um did they pitch you before the disaster expert or after, or was it a coincidence that it was literally while you were interviewing the experts? How did that work?
1: I think it was pretty much a coincidence. Like I was reading that story and I got the email from PwC and I was like, oh wait, this, this would work. And I do try to do that. I get, you know, like I said, I get a lot of studies and I do try to figure out where, where do these trends come together? And how does do it they fit? come together yeah do they come together and show a you know a picture of something that I could create a story out of
0: yeah that's cool and now so when we were talking before this episode you had mentioned another piece from the CS monitor and we don't have to go into great detail but you had mentioned that um, can you explain to me how you took the PR pitch from that story and what you did with it instead
1: so um, I, again, it was one of these, here's, here's an entrepreneur, they created this company, can you write about their company and them? Yep. And that is just a super hard sell. Yep. But it was a company that um, was a company where part of their business model to get you to buy, it was a company that made underwear. Um and cool. part, of middle, part of their business and I believe it were like made out of sustainable cotton. Um, but part Sounds of their nice. business, yeah, they apparently they're supposed to be comfortable. I don't know. But, <laughs> but part of their business model, I think, to get you to buy the underwear, because uh there and I thought this was pretty accurate. Everyone has a draw drawer. I can't say that word. A drawer full (laughs) of underwear that they don't wear anymore, but they don't know what to do with them. Yeah, they would send you a box, and you could put your old underwear in that (laughs) box, and they would take it off your hands and they would recycle it. That's cool. So I started thinking about you know, okay, that's really interesting. They're using recycling something that people like to do to create a need to buy their product. And that got me thinking, what other other companies have tried to incorporate recycling to get you to buy their products? And I did a little bit of research and realized, wow, there's actually quite a few companies that are doing this. And then some of it is good and some of it is okay and some of it is not so good.
0: I love that. So you basically opened it up to a bigger topic.
1: Yeah, and created more of a a trend about around companies are generating business around recycling and how they're using recycling to sell more products.
2: I also really love how your curiosity leads you to these really interesting story angles as well, yeah. like outside-of-the-box thinking.
1: Oh, thank you. You got to be curious if you're a reporter mm-hmm. because otherwise the story's already been written.
0: That's so true. For sure. And I like that you mentioned the role of, I, for lack of a better word, luck, um, also just coincidences. And I think that's really important for PRs to it's hard. Like on a good week, sometimes I have to humble myself and remind myself that the timing just happened to be right. And then on weeks when it's kind of slow, I just have to accept that the timing wasn't right. And a lot of, a lot of this is out of our control, but I like, you know what I mean? Like it's almost a mix of strategy, but also understanding that the journalist might just be covering something else and can't get to what you're pitching. Right. So, Mm -hmm. and that happens a lot. I mean, it's
1: also, I mean, as a freelancer, it's a fair bit of luck, too. Oh, really? I think so. I mean, you know, you, are you hitting the editor at the right time? Is it something they care about? Are they, have they already assigned something really similar, but you don't know about it because it hasn't been published? I mean, there's, there's a lot of luck on both ends of this equation.
0: So, are you pitching most of the stories that get published on these outlets that you contribute to, or do you ever just get assignments? From I mostly
1: pitch. Amazing. I, um, I sometimes get assignments, but it's more pitching than assignments. I would that's say. That's not a lot easy. More.
0: Yeah, that's really not easy. I know a lot of I've just from talking to other freelance writers in the past, a lot of freelance writers struggle with this, with pitching story ideas.
1: Um. There are times when you run out of ideas, yes, (laughs) or you run out of good ideas, but I've learned that you just, you know, like you said, Britt, that you have to be curious. Yes, you You have to be curious. Even as a PR person,
2: I've been thinking about that often lately, actually, just especially since going on my own, out on my own. A lot of what I need to do is be more curious about what my client, what my client industry is all about and Mm. the topics that they're, you know, that are related to them. And I think that goes a long way. So we've gotten all warm and fuzzy. We've talked about what you like to see in regards to pitching and and how your curiosity drives your thinking and really helps you out. Let's go ahead and talk about some of your pet peeves when it comes to pitching.
1: So there are two. Um... One of them is since we were just talking about how I will often change the angle or look for connections or find a way to fit a pitch into something I'm working on, there have been times, not a ton, but a few times, where when I've gotten in touch with the PR person and have explained, you know, I'm working on this other story or I've decided to take this. You know, in this in this direction, and I'd like to interview the expert that you suggested. There have been times when I've been told, "Well, I don't really know if that person's available anymore because that's not what they wanted to talk about," which could be a little frustrating because it's not like we're doing investigative reporting here.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: (laughs) Um, It's basically telling their story, but. With a slightly different angle, yeah, a little bit wider angle.
0: Why wouldn't they want to? Like, I just don't understand. You would think that you know PRs get rejected a lot, and they want to impress their client. Why wouldn't they just take the publicity and be happy with it? Like, it's mind boggling to me.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I don't don't ever understand it either. I mean, it's you know, so I'm saying I'm writing an expose about companies that don't work. Yeah.
2: so that
0: happens often
1: I would say that it's happened at least five times
0: that's a lot that's crazy to me and then the the other thing
1: I've had happen which is kind of similar but not exact is you know especially um if I'm doing one of these roundup pieces sort of like the the disaster recovery piece it didn't happen with this piece but sometimes when you're doing that type of roundup Oh, will so and so be the only person interviewed? Mm. Ew, no, I, how would I possibly write an entire story <laughs> on this broad topic with just one person interviewing one person?
2: And that makes me sad because I'm trying to think about this PR person, and I my sneaking suspicion is that it's their boss or you know the person they're pitching who's pushing back on them, and it's the PR person's job to then say, and in a respectful way, like, you don't understand, this is still a very valuable piece of, you know, coverage for you. And it's worth considering at least. And like, I, that's where, that's what I'm thinking is that it's just that peer person's not able to educate their clients on why they should still move forward with the opportunity. God, no kidding. Did that makes sense or did I just ramble?
1: No, well, that makes sense. Yeah, I've often thought that myself. <laughs> it's just a bummer.
2: <laughs> Maybe that's why. And I understand completely why that would be so frustrating too
0: because now well, you had to go look for another expert. I'm pissed about this and I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, I'm going to name drop Alan Henry again. He said New York Times doesn't exist for PRs, you know, and I think it just goes to show like, if you involve yourself in PR activities, like don't do it for bad motives. Like If you're just doing it for self-promotion, you're missing the whole point. Like
1: mm-hmm. Media
0: does not exist for you. It is, It can be a quote-unquote marketing platform, but that is not the existence of journalism, nor should it be. So either be helpful or get out of the way is all I got to say. <laughs> no disrespect, clients. <laughs> uh, that was a good pet peeve, Lisa. I'm sorry that you had to deal with that.
1: It's okay. It happens. The other thing that I get a lot is, well, who else is going to be in the story? Yeah, I, like I can you maybe tell me. All right, I'm going to ask you guys a question. I understand why you want to know, but it's really awkward to me because I feel like mm-hmm. I I feel like you want to know, but I'm not sure the other people who on the who are in the story want me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder... feel like I'm giving up confidence here, or mm-hmm. it, it's like I'm not supposed to reveal my sources. You know, it goes both ways.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I wonder if they're doing it because they don't want to be mentioned alongside a competitor, which I don't understand.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I had not thought of that. But that why not? That, I, you know, I know, like, I know. I don't if agree. Anything, that would be good. Right, like. right.
2: So well. Every I think also brands and companies are very wary unfortunately of the media these days and maybe they're worried about being mentioned alongside a company that's controversial right now I don't know mm,
1: that's a good point too. Of well, thank you that helped me learn something <laughs> that's so smart <laughs> sure, I'm just trying to
2: <laughs> hypothetically put myself in this situation I'm always like I really like just want to work with you and help my client get this amazing coverage. I've never asked these kind of questions before, but it's opening my eyes too. Yeah, it's wild.
0: Well, don't do that PRs. Don't do either (laughs) of those things. Bottom line. And it goes back to communication, right? Like communicating with the client expectations and um, I don't know, maybe sticking up to your mean manager and if they still don't get it, maybe, I don't know look for another place to work. That sounds horrible. It's probably hard during a pandemic, but like, you know, just thinking ahead, like that is technically not best practices for anyone listening and dealing with that. Um, that w- those were good. Uh, do you have any other pet peeves? I have one more pet peeve. Yes. Bring it on. And if you have more, when, if you think of more, just bring them <laughs> up. Let's just keep going. <laughs> we love this.
1: <laughs> um, so this is, this to me is the biggest pet peeve that I run into. Um please don't pitch me and every other staff writer and freelancer who works for the same publication.
0: Ding, 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 ding. Okay. I I'm have guilty learned
1: of this. <laughs> this lesson the hard way. It's here I pitch the editor and I think I have this like really great exclusive information or just something unique. And the editor can tell, even if I give it my own spin, the editor knows where it came from because they got the, the same editor pitch. also got <laughs> the same press release. And so did, you know, five people on the staff. <laughs> and it just, it doesn't make me look good. And honestly, I'm not sure
0: it makes the PR per- person look good either. What's the answer here? Should we let you know if we pitched someone else at the same outlet or should we just not even try to pitch like more than one person at the same outlet? What's your solution? I'm okay. Just let me know.
1: And I've learned to ask if it mm. seems like something that might have been distributed far and wide. I have learned to ask. So how ma- who else have you sent this to? Or Especially since I write for so many different publications. I, because there's a lot of different places I could pitch something. Yeah. I'm often asking, okay, has this been assigned? (laughs) You know, I've even learned to ask, has this story been assigned at this publication or this one or this one? Because I'm trying to figure (laughs) out where I can pitch it. Yeah, that's good. I like that. I see that
2: happening to you a lot, actually.
1: (laughs) It does. But I've learned. I think I after know. the first really embarrassing experience with my editor, I learned.
0: <laughs> right, right. I try to do that. I have done that recently, like um, pitching. I I guess I can say the publication. Um, I pitched somebody at Lifehacker and then like just last week and they ended up covering it. But then um, another contact I have sometimes writes for the same section of Lifehacker, so I made sure, but also other websites. So I made sure to say, by the way, this has been covered by X, Y, Z. But if there's other outlets you're writing for, you know, so that could be a good way to, yes, pitch a freelance writer that you know writes for more than one publication. It's just be upfront. Yes,
1: over. That would be great. I would welcome that. That's I have good. one more pet peeve, but I I think you've probably heard it before.
0: That's okay. Bring it on.
1: I sometimes I write about things that. I just happen to write about, and they fit within workplace, but they're not something I write about all the time. Like, I've written, I think, twice about uh, women taking time off from work for fertility treatments. Anytime I write that story, the next day, my inbox is full of pitches related to fertility. fertility. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I appreciate, but I'm not going to write about that again for like another two years.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> see that that goes on. That's on the PR person. Like, yeah. don't just research one story they wrote. Why don't you dig a little deeper? Look at that muckrak. Uh, yeah, love muckrak. Very useful. But yeah, I've I've been guilty of that where I've like. Well, everyone's got a different research process, Lisa. But one of the things I do is if I have a very specific topic, I'll like kind of news, Google News it and like pull just massively try to pull as many articles as I can. And then I'll go back and kind of do more research on the individual writer. And it's usually that there will be a handful of um, writers that don't actually cover that topic. So you just get rid of them. But if you're in a rush, you're going to not do that. And you'll end up reaching out to people who are not relevant to your pitch so sorry that happens to you but I could totally see how that happens to you
1: and they all start with I saw your article yes oh my god
0: (laughs) so cringy
1: yeah I mean you know we're all we're all guilty of of being shortcuts yeah I mean we are you know
0: there's a lot of pressure on both parties right PRs and journalists it's hard Do you ever get, are there any other, like, phrases like that, like, that you see in your email that kind of just feel, like, stale, like you see them all the time? Um,
1: hmm. I can't think of anything off the top of my head.
0: Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. But that, I saw your piece on blank. Now, do you, if it's actually something that you cover, do you appreciate that in your pitch? Like, or does that just feel like filler to you? Like saying, like, I noticed that you wrote about this topic. Like, is that ever helpful for you to know? Sometimes it feels genuine. Okay. I can't explain to you the, like, I wish I can say
1: it feels genuine because. I think it feels genuine because it's probably something I've written about, like, 20 times. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, I tend to write a lot specifically about women in the workplace and issues women face in the workplace so if someone does start off their email about that and referencing a couple of articles i've written that feels more genuine to me because it really is a pattern
0: yeah yeah it's like a topic that you're invested in Mm -hmm. um it's not something you wrote about once and then never again all right cool well I've learned a lot so far. I think it's time now to give a shout out to a PR person of your choosing, Lisa. Is there anybody in the field that you think does a spectacular job that you would like to name drop on the show?
1: Sure, so um, Linda Chung has been really great. I met her because she pitched me a story um, when she was working at IBM about women working in artificial intelligence. She was was really helpful, helped me get all the information I needed. And then we kept in touch. She ended up leaving um, IBM and we've kept in touch through LinkedIn. And there have been a few times where I've needed to find women in the C-suite, women who are on boards, women who work in different areas that I've reached out to her and said, hey, Linda, any chance you know anyone that fits this? And she's come through every time. And wow. they're all great people. Having someone like that that I can reach out to is so much more reliable than posting on Help a Reporter Out. I love that.
2: Me too. I really love that. Lisa before we end this show and which was really helpful and we loved everything that you covered a lot of it was very different than what we've heard before and yes. we appreciate that so much. So before we end the show do you have any other final words of advice for PRs that are listening?
1: Not really. <laughs> I love that. I think I've said everything I could That's possibly okay. say. You've aired your grievances. I, I,
2: I, this is great. Thank you so much. I guess we'll end it here. Thank you so much for coming through We are Media.
1: Thanks. This was fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you,
2: Lisa. Thanks for listening to another episode of We Earn Media. If you tune in often, Jackie and I would love for you to leave us a review. We're always trying to improve, and it's so helpful to know what our listeners are finding most useful about this podcast. Until next time.